Hey, and Happy New Year. Welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. In this episode, I got a chance to speak with Kurt. Kurt is a fiction comedy writer who has been described by someone he dislikes as having panache, which is bullshit because he totally does and it's awesome. He might not know the definition of that word. I'm joking. He probably does. His debut novel, Good at Drugs, is out now. It, like most of his writing, delves into music, subculture. We kind of get into everything in this episode. Raves, jam bands, fake names, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the show and this strange year to come. So where are you at right now? I'm in my office uh, in the basement of a university building, um, but no one shows up to my office till like noon because I just work with students. <laughs> so I have my door closed and, you know, living, living the dream, right? Having an office with a door at uh, my age feels uh, substantial. What is your age? Th- 35, which while I was saying that, it felt like I was younger. <laughs> but 35 is young for like academia or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm 31. I don't have one of those offices. I freelance and I just write in publishing and all that. So I'm at my house. <laughs> I mean, that's the dream. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, like my cat is keeping guard right now because she thinks that I'm gone crazy and talking to myself. I'm guessing at her motivations that she's trying to be like, okay, I'm going to make sure no one attacks human while she's crazy. <laughs> My dog would just be barking. She would just want to sit on my lap and be barking. But it would be nice to have her sitting next to me. If, if she chose to protect like your cat is, just, you know, quietly waiting rather than involving themselves. Yeah, if I was, like, maybe in a different place in the apartment, like, there are designated areas where she feels are, like, these are cuddle spots, then maybe she would be more up on me. But, no, at least I'm at a desk, so. That's good. Yeah. What she is knows, uh, like, don't bother the humans while they're on the desk. You live in Chicago, right? Yeah. What is, like, I, I've never been to Chicago, so I have literally no litmus test on this, but it's, like, what are apartments like in Chicago? Like, do you have space, or are you living in, like, a 200-square-foot box? Oh, we have lots of space, um, depending on how much money you have. Well, for I sure. I think that's just... For sure. Yeah. That's everywhere. <laughs> But I, I couldn't tell you the square feet of our place because I don't actually know. <laughs> I, ba- I never actually measured it. I barely have enough room for a desk in my uh, two in my four hundred square foot apartment. Um, so you know, I, anyone that has desk space, I'm like, why do I live in San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> or why do I live at the beach? Even worse than living in San Diego. I'm seeing how many square feet my place is now just by going on like the website. <laughs> To be like, mm, how many square feet do we have? See all the other perks of living in my apartment, which aren't really that awesome. They're probably burying it because it's like 500 and they don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't say the full square feet. I mean, my living room, yeah, it doesn't say it. Whatever. I mean, it, it's decently sized. It, it's all it's all a scam, anyways, right? We're living on somebody else's. Uh, <laughs> the, the, it's someone owns that, right? So if if all of a sudden you can be like, "But I'm paying this much for square footage," people will get really like bitter about how much they're paying, and then it just be this whole slippery slope. Like 
That's what I do. When my landlord says anything, I'm like, no, you charge me too much money for too little square footage. Like I'm an entitled brat. It's like probably better if I just don't know. See, I'm happy. I don't know our landlord. I know our building manager. I guess that's like the equivalent. But man, we've gone through so many of those in the last like year and a half. Like people just quit, keep quitting. I'm not sure if they're quitting or being fired, but like it's an endless revolving door. And I really liked the one we had in the beginning. And it's basically because she'd like to like leave treats and random shit for like the people there. Like we'd find like candy in the elevator or she loved putting out a lot of like those little tiny bottles of wine or beer and stuff like that. And oh, be that's like, nice. Hey, that's grab adorable. this. I know she was so sweet, but then she got replaced by this horrible bitch named Kiki. And I feel free to say her name because I've mentioned it several times on this show and she was such a bitch. I mean, if Kiki is listening beyond two minutes into your podcast, she's a fan. And <laughs> I was to say, like, I've talked so much shit about her that it's like, you know what? She, she's just a masochist or she agrees she's a bitch. I don't know. Hey, you know, some people just live their lives angry as fuck. I try not to do that. Same here. I, I like to let it roll. Basically, the only beef that I had with her, she wanted us to take down our Black Lives Matter sign. Oh, that's real beef. Yeah. But you know what? She's not here anymore. There was another person after that, and now we have another person after that. And he's really cool, and he never has asked me that stuff because he has a sign, uh, well, bumper sticker on his car that says Black Lives Matter. So I'm just like, I think we're in the same Bane, we're cool. Do you think that's why she she got fired? Is she was racist? I'd like to think so, but no, we don't live in that great of an area where we're like, you're a racist, get the fuck out of here. Like, I think it was just a lot of complaints that she was shitty at her job. Like, she would keep, like, the doors shut and always got annoyed when people, like, would be like, hey, you got to open the gym or you got to clean this and just complaining. God, these are such first world problems. It's a tough gig, though, like... I can't imagine having to, I'm not saying like, you know, I don't really know you except a super superficial internet presence, right? But I'm sure in any building, 50% of the people are entitled as fuck, right? And all of a sudden people oh, are like, yeah. oh my God, my faucet doesn't work. And you're like, okay, fuck, now I got to figure out how to fucking fix a faucet. <laughs> well, that's actually really cool because we have maintenance also. Oh. <laughs> so this bitch literally has like nothing to do. We have a cleaning lady that like does the main areas and like... Dude, all this chick has to do, like, we have cool fire pits on the roof, and she had to, like, turn the gas on once, and it took her, like, three weeks, and everybody complaining to be like, hey, it is summer. We want to have our fire pits. I, I, uh, I live, basically, in this woman owns one building, and there are four units in her building, and it, you can tell, based on, I live a block from the beach, that it is just, like, two bad years of tenants away from becoming an Airbnb. Just where it's like, okay, well, fine, we'll rent out these four apartments to stupid tourists that want to pay $300 for an Airbnb. Uh, so it's like, I fear I fear asking for things because I'm like, no, I, I like my home and I don't want her to take it away and become an Airbnb. <laughs> well, we're actually, I'm very happy. We're going to be leaving here soon. We're going to live in Turkey for a couple months, and then I don't know what's next. That's kind of how we do shit. It annoys normal people, I guess, that we live in such a nomadic way, but 
Yep. I mean, I, I'm jealous. You know, for some reason, anytime I say, like, uh, it would be Istanbul more specifically, people get, like, that red flag freak out. And it's like, it's actually not a bad area. It's really nice. Like, I was just there, and people are great there. People are weird. I feel like people also really don't understand. Uh, is is Turkey? Turkey's Europe, right? Um, it is actually a very fascinating thing. It is where Europe and Asia uh, connect. Okay, so it is Eurasia. Yeah. Cool. So, like, if you were to go in the Bosphorus, we actually literally sailed at one point from Europe to Asia, then back to Europe in under an hour. I, I feel like that is even more of a geographic mystery to people, right? And yeah. And they're like, Istanbul, that is like, um, uh, oh my God. A lot of people sure. say Middle East. And I'm just yeah. Like, mm, no. No. It almost feels like J- Jerusalem, right? Which is like, there is wars happening there. Or not Jerusalem. What is the main city in, Jesus, mm. in Israel? Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Gaza? Yeah, what, yeah, it almost Gaza seems Strip. like it yeah. could be like there, right? And it's like, no, 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 it's not. So people are just like super geographically ignorant, being like, wait, I've heard of that place and it's somewhere I can't map. It's not like, oh, I'm moving to Barcelona. <laughs> it is a thing where like when I went to Turkey, I want to say it was like a little over a month ago, everyone immediately is like, but what about Afghanistan? And I was like, they, they are nowhere near each other. Like, you were talking about two very different countries. The last time I was in Europe, I went to Prague, and uh, Hostel had, like, just come out. And my mom was so scared for my life that I was going to get kidnapped at a hostel and tortured to death. <laughs> I'm impressed by the idea that your mom actually knew Hostel. <laughs> I live in a very horror-forward household. I like that description. Ooh, horror forward. <laughs> There's four of us in that house, and three people are horror-obsessed. Uh, and my mom is a scared person. See, me and all my siblings, horror-obsessed. Our parents don't get it. Actually, all of my siblings are very different than my parents. They don't know what they did wrong with us. So, <laughs> We are, me and my sister are prototypically our parents. It's kind of insane like I was 12 and my dad was like showing me the exorcist and playing me Frank Zappa uh so all of my like nerddom came from uh an older nerd I like that you keep saying nerd that is basically your email address oh yeah nerdtram at gmail.com yeah uh that was like uh at, at one point I thought that would be a cool band name so I just like turned it into a screen name because I have no musical talent Hey, that's never stopped anyone before. No, uh, I, I had seen, I had seen Arcade Fire in high school, and I was so impressed by like uh, that's like one of the craziest shows I've ever been to in the world, and we can talk about that too. It was Arcade Fire opening for Chromio, opening for the Unicorns at some like small venue in Boston before they blew up, mm-hmm. and I was like, that band was cool. But then fast forward five years, Arcade Fire became as big as it gets in indie rock. Um, mm-hmm. But I was so impressed that someone could just like bang a fucking snare drum on stage, or like play the like like a like a, a temp like a shaking percussion. I forget what they're called. Uh, like a 
whatever, uh, that I was like, oh, I can do this. I could be in a band and like not have musical talent. I could just like keep rhythm on some weird instrument. Uh, but it's like, if you put enough people in a band, it's interesting. <laughs> that was that era where it was like nine people in Arcade Fire and like 15 people in Broken Social Scene. Or you could always go punk rock and no one really cares if you can keep a tune. That's that true. That is true. I mean, but, you could be the singer, I bet. Oh, I was in a, um, I was in a Weezer cover band where I sang it like I was in a hardcore punk band, and they just played it like they were covering Weezer. Oh, that's just hell yeah. <laughs> Especially because Weezer is basically a cover band now. Yeah, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> hey, they're actually really good in concert. Have you seen them? I have. Um, I, uh, not recently, but I saw them back when they were like coming back up on, on like the Green Album or Maladroit, probably like 2004, 2005. Um, they were playing this last Coachella, which I was at, but I had a broken foot and I wasn't trying to rush to Weezer to come back to see something else. <laughs> <laughs> but I did catch their Toto cover and I was like, all right, it's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I didn't like see that coming. Like I saw them at Riot Fest. Oh, I'm going to struggle because my sense of time has gotten fucked up ever since COVID. Four years ago? And yeah, that was pretty wild for them to do the Africa thing. Like I had never heard so many people just like shout out Africa, Africa. Like, what are you aware of what band you're here to see? Like, (laughs) I mean, I give Weezer props for being this band that almost disappeared and then like continuously reinventing themselves. Um, And for a new generation, it's like that cover is the biggest song they've ever had. They are the Madonna of rock music. Yeah, that's a... (laughs) I love that comparison. I think that they would love it, too. I think they'd own it with pride. I think they would cover a Madonna song just out of the sheer awesomeness of it. Uh, Just hear them do, like, like a virgin, but, like, really hardcore. I mean, that's... Then they'll just turn into me first in the Game of Gimme's, and it'll be, like, this weird, sad, slippery slope. I don't know. I, I, I think that they're smart because they just like alternate, right? It'll be like, okay, now we're going to come out with a record that sounds like Van Halen, and then we're going to come out with a record that is covers of Van Halen. <laughs> See, I wish I actually saw them at an earlier stage. My oldest sister, she actually saw them at a college show, like right when they were starting. It seems like they would have been like cooler to see then. Uh, I, I bet they were really cool for f- before they like before he lost his mind when he went to Harvard and, and quit the band for five years. Um, but, you know, who knows? I, like, I, I think at some point I was glad that they returned. I was probably at, at a senior in high school as they were returning, and I was just like, yay, more of this band. But it, it's such a shitty thing of me to then turn on them and be like, nah, nah, I don't care anymore. It's like, I kind of love those takes that would be like, Kurt Cobain would suck now and he'd be releasing solo acoustic Starbucks records if he were still alive. And it's like, that's probably true. But at the end of the day, I do wish he was alive. <laughs> that, that, that is true. It's one of those things where you just can't judge based on that. You got to like love them for like the best that they did. Because everyone's eventually going to decline. Like it's ebbs and flows with any musician. For sure. I think that I, I try as a listener to, um, to not be a nostalgic listener. Really? Yeah. Um, I think I've just been to too many, like, 
bad shows like 10 years after their prime. And maybe that's just like, I shouldn't be a nostalgic concert goer. Um, but that's I, what going to Riot Fest is. Well, I, I, I went to Riot Fest in Denver uh, and I had a great time. And it, I was it, I went to go see a nostalgic band. I went to go see the the reunited Misfits. Um, I was at that show, but the Chicago one. Nice. I, I, that was such a weird experience for me because I uh, it was the same weekend in Denver as a three night fish run, and I don't really like give a shit about fish, but my wife loves them, so I'm just like, all right, I'll go. Uh, and on the th- second day, I sold my third day ticket so I could buy a one day Riot Fest ticket. Uh, and it was so weird to go from this, like, fish is, like, super positive scene. Everyone's, like, happy. Everyone is on drugs. And everyone is just, like, blissed out, you know? To go to, like, Riot Fest where everyone is so fucking angry. <laughs> at least that day. At least the Misfits day. People were just, like, the third day they were hot. They were bitter. I was getting tons of dirty looks. Uh, tons of people asked me if I had drugs, uh, which I didn't. <laughs> Uh, it's like, I am not taking, uh... Riot I, Fest in Denver sounds so much more different than Riot Fest in Chicago. <laughs> I can, I can imagine. Was, was everyone, like, super positive at the Chicago one? Yeah, people were really lit. They have the cool carnival. Um, yeah, I'm sure, like, fucked up shit happens and you have, like, your douchebags, but... Yeah, I've always had good experiences at Riot Fest, but I think I'm kind of done with it, because kind of like what you were saying is that, like, this year I was supposed to go, and it was really just because I wanted to see My Chemical Romance, and they bailed. But well, I knew be that back, I saw right? every. I don't know. They said next year, but I believe it. Can you count? Yeah, yeah. Really? I think that. I mean, not to distract you from telling me about why you're quitting Riot Fest, but I think My Chemical Romance. I remember when they were ha- like starting, and I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't pay attention to that." And then all of a sudden, they became like the biggest band in the world after they left. And I feel like you got to get a little bit of that glow into your life. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm dying for. But it's one of those things where I'm wondering, like, can they make whatever reuni- reunion they did last? Because it took them so long. But yeah, with the Riot Fest thing, it's just because I was like, uh, I've seen all these bands already. That's something that I'm trying hard to do is to like not fall into grooves and patterns of just seeing like, cause I, I, I'm more at this point as an adult, as a 35 year old person, I'm much more of like a, a raver than like a rock listener. Um, but I think at the rave, it's like a lot of the same DJs, right? Like over and over and over and over and over again, because it's Southern California and they can just see, keep cycling through. And it's like, man, I've seen that motherfucker 10 times. Like I don't give a shit. Uh, Obviously, there are acts that I love more and I'll see every time. Um, but I think it's helpful to be like, do I care about seeing X DJ or Y band? Uh, I've seen them before. N- new is always more exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I actually like thought I was always going to be obsessed with like certain bands when I was younger. And like I definitely would see them any time they like, would roll through Chicago. But yeah, I, I definitely grew out of that phase. Is there any band that you haven't grown out of? I don't know. Like, I'll still listen to them. I still dig them, but I wouldn't go and pay money to see them live. Like, I loved Joan Jett. Anytime she cruised through Chicago, I was there. There's a pop punk or folk punk, I guess we would say, guy, Frank Turner. I don't know how popular he is, but I would always see him. I, I, I know Frank. I never saw him, but, I, but he's cool, yeah. 
Yeah. I even showed up to, like, some of his secret shows and stuff. But I guess I grew out of him. Or maybe he grew out of making good music. Who's to say? Well, I guess that's, that's where I'm at, right, with, like, sort of the Weezer thing. It's like, do I want to look... Yes, I'll always, like like that first Frank Turner record that I listened to. I don't even know which one it is. You know, I really only listened to one. And if I go back, I'll like, I'll continue to dig it. But it's like, I, I, I feel like I'm almost going to forget of acts like that until like you bring him up and then I'll be like, Oh yeah, I should go listen to that. Uh, like things like, like Weezer, like I can almost be like, okay, bye. And then life is long. I'm sure I'll in 10 years, I'll be like, Let's listen to that Weezer record record again. Um, but as for consistency of what I've listened to, it's really only like a handful of albums that keep pushing through and stop, never annoy me. And they're mostly stuff I haven't seen. Really? Yeah, like um, like uh, I really I think I put them on my playlist. I might not have, but there is this uh, Boston um, emo band. Maybe they were like pop punk called Piebald. And I always loved Piebald, and they uh, they broke up before I got to see them. And they did a reunion tour, like, two years ago, and I went, and it was great. And I feel like I finally got that release, you know? And maybe that was what I was holding on to, um, is this, like, I just want to see it live. Uh, but I've seen so much live music that there's very little left that I, like, feel, I start, feel like I need to see. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I've kind of hit that point, too, but, like, I'll still keep going, and I've been trying to see younger acts lately. That's the cool thing about having nieces and nephews is you have an excuse to see the younger bands or artists. And it keeps you a little younger. Yeah, and, you know, you're relevant. You know what they're actually talking about. Like, I saw Harry Styles. That was great. He was amazing, actually. But, like, I'll probably see Taylor Swift if she does do this concert she's hinting at. Okay. You know, although I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but, you know, got to give them something. I mean, why the fuck not? I think that was the thing that I liked most about the f- f- 10 Coachellos I went to is it was like, I'm not necessarily a fan of... I wasn't a fan of Kanye before I saw Kanye. And then I was like, oh, I guess I like Kanye now. And it's like, I would have never paid the $200 to see Kanye at that time. But I got to see him at this music festival I was already going to. And it like... That's just, like, one example. I mean, I do love Kanye, and I told you as a Chicago, and I, I want to ask your feelings about him, but that's besides the point. I was going to say, I believe you're talking about the being formerly known as Kanye West. He is now... He's now Yee. Yee. Ye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I sort of love that. I, I'm attracted to, like, psychopaths as musicians, like, um, like real megalomaniacs. Like, my Beatle is John Lennon, for sure. Uh, and I feel like I love people that think they're more brilliant than the rest of us. I'm always attracted to them as like filmmakers, as musicians. I so, I, I'm just so blissed out right now that you actually mentioned the Beatles. I was wondering about like if I should ever like bring a Beatle up in like one of these conversations. And thank you for that. I feel like the Beatles get so much hate by our generation because our the parents' generation likes them. I don't know. I think the Beatles fucking rule. <laughs> I, I think everyone knows that they rule, but they just don't want to say it. I have like a, a like a whole chapter in Good at Drugs where the DJs basically do a Beatles set, and I feel like once people get that book, pe- some people are going to be like, "Kurt's fucking lame." The Beatles are fucking lame, 
But I honestly think it's like one of the best passages in the book. Uh, and it's just like, I'm owning it. It's like, I think they're awesome. I think that more people need to admit it. Uh, I think that if you say my favorite band is the Beatles, it's like, learn a little bit more about music, bro. But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you definitely will have those people, but yeah, I, I think it's just ignorant to say you don't like the Beatles because they're just one of those bands that they have something for everybody. In my opinion, they've just, they're so prolific. For sure. Do you have a Beatle? I like George Harrison. Okay, cool. But I used to love John Lennon. It's only because my one friend, his name's Patrick, and he got really into playing mandolin, and like we started like hanging out. This is like how suburban we were at the time, at an all-night Denny's, and we would hang out at this like hill, and we'd be playing like guitars and mandolin, and we'd get really into like playing his music. George's? Or yeah. I mean, I, I think that like... It could be a little hypnotic. I also feel like which Beatle you like says a lot about you as a person. Uh, I use that same litmus test for like uh, Ninja Turtles, like which Ninja Turtle (laughs) you relate to as a child is says a lot to you as a person. But it's like, uh, boy, do I have writers I can I think you'd like. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Um, But uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's like I I I I don't think I'm necessarily a John Lennon type, but I align myself with a lot of John Lennon types. They're they're who I like, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, I feel like uh, judging your musical taste that I've seen on the internet, like George makes sense. It's like it seems that you tend to go toward like more like introspective kind of muted musicians rather than like the big bombast ego or like the overly like pop sheen of Paul McCartney. Yeah, I, I guess I can go either way. But yeah, I am definitely more into the muted sound. But yeah, I mean, big shows, it's hard for me because they're always stadium shows. And it's just like, I can't see it like as a height thing. And I'm, yeah. Oh, that's why it, uh, that, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the Internet about how I'm a giant tall person. I'm six foot five. How tall are you? Five feet. Okay. Wow. Okay. Damn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what I dig about a festival over like a club show or a stadium show is that like, I just stand back and I, I can stand back. Right. There's a little bit more space and I'm not in anybody's way, but also it's like those stages, especially if there are screens or a light show are built for like, are more built for everyone than like a club. <laughs> I also know us at like outdoor music festivals, and I don't know why it's easier for me to do it there than like in any indoor venue. Which in Chicago we have a lot of mid-sized ones too, but I don't know. I'm always able to find like an angle at which I'm able to see the artist, even if I'm far back or up close or in the middle. Like if I can just get myself positioned behind like the right people, I can really like experience the show better. Uh, that's good. I. Yeah, it, it it it's certainly hard. I mean, that's kind of why I'm so down with not it's not why, but it's a a, a plus plus for raving and that like you ain't looking at the stage at a rave because what's the DJ doing turning like two knobs slowly? Uh, no shade, right? Like some people are actually doing stuff, but if you're not like directly looking over their their hands, you get nothing, right? So nobody has the right view. Uh, and these state, these produce, these production companies are just like pouring that money into light shows and like stage 
LED graphics. So it's like, you can see the stage, you just might not be able to see the person on the stage. <laughs> see, if you're there for a regular rock show, well, I'm fucked and you're the asshole, so. For sure. I, 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 we, we to were, be fair, my boyfriend's around your size, so we have that issue. Yeah, because you'd probably like, be like, come on, let's get up close. And he's like, ah. He does. He's just like, I am blocking people's view. And I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. I need to be able to see. For sure. Uh, I think I just convinced my wife that it doesn't matter. Just like, I was like, just listen. Because <laughs> I'm like a back person. Uh, I, I, if I'm crowded, I like can't enjoy a concert at all. Um, but... You know, I feel I feel your pain. I feel my wife's probably like five five, which isn't like a lot That's taller about than you. average. But it's you know, I think that no one under five ten can see. <laughs> see, I try and get as early to a concert as possible. And what happened the other day is COVID really affected shit. I didn't really know like how that they were going to like have everybody wait in a single file line and take temperatures and we'd have to wear masks. Obviously I knew we'd have to cause Chicago has a mandate, but I didn't know they were going to have to like actually look at your ID and then check your COVID card to make sure you had your vaccine. And it was just like, wow, we are never getting in here and it was pouring rain. And so I ended up in the back and it was so not cool. I, I, I feel like venues have to fix that. I like I'm all for, I'm closing my eyes and I'm, this isn't going to work for obviously a mid-sized venue in Chicago. Right. But I am closing my eyes and I'm seeing that like, we should have VR concerts. Right. And I, I want to like put on an Oculus Rift and like be at a concert. Uh, and I feel like if we had like augmented vision, like we'd be like, here are 3d glasses and those 3d glasses make your vision like you're three feet taller. <laughs> okay. So, I have several comments on that idea. One, Portlandia. Did they do that? Skit. Yeah, they have a skit completely about that. So, you know, cool. check that out. I don't I'm in good company. Um, two, welcome to the metaverse. I think they're going to try and do that. And yeah, but three, I don't want them to do it. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. Three, that was basically what I just kept talking about the entire time when we were in the shutdown. So we just kept, like, going on YouTube and looking up concerts and, like, trying to, like, feel that vibe, like, getting cheap beer and everything. I watched some good shit in lockdown because of that. Mm -hmm. I watched, like, Nine Inch Nails at Woodstock 94. (laughs) And it was a party. It was the right Woodstock, yes. I went to Woodstock 99. Oh, my God. How'd that feel? Uh, I was 12. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, you would have been young. Yeah, I was 12. Uh, I mean, I feel... So you probably wouldn't have seen it as such a shit show because of the context. I mean, it burnt down, and that was very scary to a 12-year-old. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was like shit was all of a sudden on fire, and you could like sense it like turning into a riot. Um, but I didn't see... like a. I mean, obviously, as a 12-year-old, your, your blinders to sexual assault are probably real high. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it was definitely a shit show. And that was, like, what I was down for when I was 12 was, like, corn and Limp biscuit and all that shit. Uh, even though I saw, like, James Brown and Dave Matthews and Cheryl Crow, too. Um, it's just, it was just, it was just, it was, in retrospect, it was trash, right? Like, that lineup was, like, disgusting. I don't like how Dave Matthews pandered to the audience there, <laughs> like Dude. with the titties and everything. Like, really? It feels, 
It feels like shivering down my back to hear Dave Matthews say titties. <laughs> I mean, that moment in that documentary is a shiver. It's a, it's a, it's, it's bad, but. Cause I've seen him at so many shows and he's usually such a good guy. And I'm just like, I can't see you saying that, bro. The one thing I'll say is, is this, right. And I think everyone has grown as a person since 1999. Uh, Hopefully not to say that, that Dave, I, I don't really know much about, Dave, that's the only time I've seen him. I know that, like, he tends to um, gear towards a more positive crowd than that. But, uh, you know, it's like you're put in the worst situation. Not everyone can pull a Moby and be like, fuck this shit. Um, you know, I, I, I'll give him credit for, 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 I bet he's mortified of that. <laughs> Probably. I always wonder about Dave Matthews. See, now I'm just, like, going to slowly go into, like, a weird political thing. I I definitely think he's a Democrat, but he seems to be like besties with Adam Sandler, and Adam Sandler gives me a Republican vibe. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know why. I feel like well, maybe because Adam Sandler loves cops. You can see that in all of his movies. And um, he was really like into Giuliani. But that might be a that might be a joke. Might be a New Yorker thing. That yeah, might be that a New Yorker too. thing. Uh, well, to to kind of key off of that, and I think the the fan bases are very different, but there's a lot of overlap is like, I'm a, I'm a deadhead. I'm a grateful deadhead. And the amount of Republicans. Second in a row. What? Sorry. Yesterday, the person I interviewed was a deadhead too. Okay. Getting used to this. Uh, I think how, how, how old was, was it a, was it a man over 30? Yeah. (laughs) It's like a requirement, (laughs) but, uh, so I am a deadhead, um, but like whatever, you know, I won't like defend them. But there's so many Republicans at a dead concert, it, especially in like San Diego, which is a big military town. Is it, it really? It is just very conservative leaning, uh, which for a band that promoted peace and love and dropping acid, uh, I don't necessarily think the people in the band are, are Republicans, but I think it's a surprisingly conservative fan base. I think that a lot of old hippies just become fucking conservative motherfuckers once they get their money too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been to a Woody Nelson show and like, even he attracts like a shit ton of conservatives. And it's like, are you at the like right show? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I want, I, I, I would love, people wouldn't admit it, but I would love to see like the demographics at a Dave Matthews concert, right? Where it's like, who'd you vote for? They're very broy. I could say that. I've been to see him like a couple times. It's not out of a love for him, but my siblings all really love him, and I don't know. It just became like a thing that anytime he's at Alpine Valley in Wisconsin, they go see him. And it's a really cool like amphitheater. It actually like is like an amphitheater, so no matter what, you could see him. But it's like a huge tailgating thing. I think that's like Grateful Dead has a really big thing like that too, right? Yeah, with them, it's more of like. People have been fall. I mean, less so in 2021, and more so in like 1972. But people have been following them on tour, so they like set up their tents and like sell their wares and sell their drugs. Uh, so like there is tailgating, but it there's like this whole community of people who who live their life based on dead tour, and then that like they need to make twenty dollars in selling t-shirts, or they can't go to the show. And they probably can't go to the show anyways. Um, rather than just getting fucked up in the parking lot, which don't get me wrong, does exist. But it, like, I think it stems from that culture. I think 
even a lot of tailgating at something like Dave probably even stems from that culture as well as like, even though there are less people selling their wares and going on Dave tour, it's just like, well, you're supposed to be in the lot early. There's stuff to see. There's alcohol to drink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really would compare more of a tailgating situation at Dave more to like football tailgating. That's fair. I've never been to a, I've I've never been to any sort of athletic event except baseball games, which didn't have tailgating at them. So that's like a blind yeah. spot in my in my mental life. They don't really. Yeah, it would be like football and football. Man, I would just say it's just football. Chicago is a really big sports area, obviously, but well, just yeah. I'm from. I go see them. I'm from Massachusetts, and it's like it's an obnoxious sports town. So as a little. 12-year-old punk, I was like, fuck that shit. <laughs> and it just stayed with me. I was like, I'm going to fucking listen to Toxic Narcotic instead of watching The Patriots. <laughs> uh, and, you know, now people who meet me from Massachusetts, they're like, you're like the least Massachusetts person I've ever met. And it's like, yeah, because I don't like fucking sports. <laughs> yeah, most people say I'm a pretty bad Chicagoan, which is weird for someone who wrote a book called The Only Living Girl in Chicago, but... If you read it, maybe you'll get it. I don't feel like I belong here. I need to move somewhere else. Well, you're going to Istanbul. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I think, like, after that, I want to go to, like, Portland or something. Yeah. And then I'll help invent the VR thing. I'll beat the metaverse to it. Yeah, or just, like, make a conscious version, like, yeah. <laughs> that isn't the metaverse. Uh, I, I support this. I'll, I'll help fund it if I have any money by then. I feel like we should just start a Patreon or something, like, right now. Yeah, Curtin Mallory's non-metaverse metaverse. You know what? You should actually tell me a little bit more about yourself. I feel like we just jumped into music and, yeah, yeah. yeah. introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, hi, I'm Kurt. Um, I, I use a mononym uh, mostly because I uh, have written a lot about drugs and I don't want uh, employers to be able to track me down. Uh, <laughs> Um, I live in California. I've been here for about 10, 11, 12 years, even though I'm from the East Coast. Uh, I'm a raver. Uh, I've been to a lot of music. Uh, If Woodstock 99 was my first music festival, I've been going to them for 22 years. Uh, Yeah. Uh, What else can there be to know about me? I want to know the spelling of your name. Uh, Why'd you pick that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I've I've always been really into... um, I think that, like, self-branding is really funny. Uh, Yeah. Like... It feels very intentional. Yeah. Like, like, uh... Sorry, I'm stumbling. Like, I have my name (laughs) tattooed on my chest. I have my face tattooed on my arm. Uh, Like, I don't think I'm I'm a... a total narcissist. I think they're more like reminders of self value. Um, but I think that like shouting your name is very funny. So I think that the double, uh, the double, the double shout is, is funny. It's like the KKUURTT. And maybe it's like hearkening back to like 2002 live journal of like XX sad boy, 12 XX, uh, maybe not you know uh it just came to me and i was like that's it let's run with it when you introduce yourself i was kind of hoping that you were gonna like 
say it in a way that like made more sense. Uh, weirdly, like, like shout it, like Kurt or Kurt. I couldn't decide like which way it would. This is like the third or fourth podcast I've been on since I've had this pseudonym. And uh, every podcast host has said it differently. But you're the first one that, like, let me say it. Most people are just like, is it Kurt? I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> See, I like people that, one, pronounce their names for me, because, one, I don't want to fuck it up. And, two, yours just seems so fun. I need to hear, like, how you were going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just disappointedly said, Kurt. <laughs> I know. I was just like, what the fuck? I was waiting for you to say something like Kurt. I, that's what I think it is. It's like, Kurt. Yeah. Kurt. My friend Tex Gresham says it's Kurt, but yelling. He's like, it's Kurt. Sorry, I spiked there. I'll push back. Kurt. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I like that there's, um, it's like whatever people want it to be. <laughs> I mean, it could be like a drawn out shout. Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I, I was definitely, when I started like publishing, I was like, I was feeling dudes like Sam Pink and Danger Slater, and I was just like, why the fuck not put a pseudonym on it? Um, My full name is less standout than this. People people learned what Kurt was really fast. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, oh, that's that's a phrase that I can pull out of a hat. Well, that's really cool that you got to pick a pseudonym. Everyone thinks it's smart isn't my real last name. That's funny. It is. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, you made that up. I would get that as a kid, too, where everyone's like, no, 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 what's your real last name, honey? And it's like, no, it's smart. But imagine if you, you like, weren't smart. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to say that is an annoying substitute teacher joke. <laughs> so. No, I know. It just... If you were, if you were consistent, you you basically have to live up to that. Is unfortunate. Is an do. unfortunate reality, right? If you but one time I actually did lean into that and I made the substitute teacher feel terrible and I got to get out of class that day. Hell yeah! Because <laughs> they made the like joke like, "Are you smart?" And I just decided I was in high school and I was like, "No, no, I'm not. Why would you bring that up? That, that's horrible." And then it's like. It, they get a glimpse at you now, and it's like, wait, she's a writer and an editor. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely some level of smart. Like, I'm, I'm happy that she wasn't able to, like, look at, it, like, my grade and be like, eh? What the fuck? No, she lied. That's funny. But, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 names are, they're weird and they're hard, and, and we all, like, s- like, almost suffer in them. And that, like, uh, I don't know. I almost, I feel like I was just taking the power. <laughs> I was like, this is what I want to be known. But, like, musicians have alter egos and DJs have alter egos. And it's like, why are authors the only people that are like, Jonathan Lefham? <laughs> I've, that's why, I, oh, God, I'm going to say, it's the one thing I actually liked about the alt-lit movement is that I saw a lot of writers actually taking the reins a lot more when it came to, like, their personality and brand. And I will no longer say anything positive about alt-lit or I will be crucified. <laughs> I won't even ask you to expand. No. <laughs> I don't even know why you would get crucified. That's how uh, outside of... Uh, I, I try not to pay attention to any of that shit. 
I, I really try not to, too, but, like, inside I'll have an opinion about stuff, and I'm just like, and this can never be stated out loud. <laughs> just, yeah, we'll state it all and then just, like, edit it out. <laughs> like, seriously, like, sometimes my boyfriend and I will just, like, state an opinion to each other while looking at Twitter at the same time, because he also does Maudlin House. And nice. we're like, and we're keeping this one to ourselves. Like, we'll hate a writer or something, and we'll be like, never going to tell anybody. Mm-mm. That's the beauty of having uh, uh, DM friends. <laughs> you just share obnoxious tweets with people and be like, look at this fucking asshole. So you got to be careful with that shit, though, because sometimes it could turn on your ass. You never know. For sure. Uh, I have DMs with people who are a lot angrier than me, and they send a lot of look at this fucking asshole. And I can be like, yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, give him a break, X, Y, Z. Uh, and then it'll be my turn where someone just be like, shut the fuck up about that one thing. Uh, I'm very cautious about who I DM. I'm not just uh, yeah. I'm not just throwing them out there being like. Very, like, I pick and choose. Mainly I just talk to, like, people who are outside of the lit world about the lit world just so they're like, I have no context at the, all I'm just like that's fine the one thing I'll say is because I know we're both friends with him and I'll, I'll put him on blast right fucking now you can complain about anyone you want to DT Robbins and he'll uh, he'll he'll bat it right back <laughs> I love him he's just so fantastic he's the best yeah yeah like I have like said who I fucking hate to him and he's like I don't care yeah no he, <laughs> he's so indifferent to any of that shit but he hates him too yeah. <laughs> or he hates different people uh and it's fun to do it that way. So, hello, anyone that's made it this far into this episode. Uh, just DM DT Robbins and talk shit. He'll be down. Oh, he's always down. <laughs> and he's fine if you talk shit to him or yeah. talk down to him. He's just kind of like, I'll take it. Talk whatever. shit about him? I'm like, no, that's fucking stupid, bro. Like, he's just totally fine. Mm-hmm. I had him on my other podcast, That Horrorcast. I don't know if you listen to it or if anyone really does. I never really check the numbers. That's that's probably healthy. I don't listen to it, but I want to. I just have nine podcasts. <laughs> There's just so many. But I'll say this a though. Scream episode, and I brought him on personally because he has that personality. My co-host, he hates the movie Scream, and I knew that I was never going to be able to like talk about it with him because like. I just don't have that, like, oh, yeah, I could beat you in a debate kind of thing. So I grabbed DT, and I was like, we're going to double-team this guy. Ready? I'm such a Scream debater, and I apologize. Are, are you a pro-Scream or anti-Scream? It depends on the day. <laughs> I've never been more bipolar with a movie than Scream. Sometimes I'm like, it's a classic, and other times I'm like, it's playing with classic tropes, and I don't like that it's doing that. And it's literally, like, by the month, by the day. But I'll always fight for it or against it. It's it's a it's a very it's a broken movie in my brain. See, now I feel like we need to have like Scream Part Two podcast, and then you could come on it. Yeah, have me when uh, Scream Five comes out in January. I am so excited, but also nervous about that movie. Oh, I think it'll be great. Uh, I really liked those filmmakers' last movie, and anything will be better than Scream Three. Oh, yeah. I mean, we discussed um, on that podcast what the original script for Scream 3 was supposed to be, but I don't know if you knew this, but the reason why they changed it was because of Columbine. I didn't know that, but... It would have been a much better story and everything. It had to do with, obviously, students killing each other, so... 
That's cool. Yeah, thank you, Columbine, for ruining another thing. Yeah, fucking Columbine. Uh, yeah. I know, hard to pivot off that one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so speaking of Columbine, how do you feel about Marilyn Manson? I did it. That is an interesting pivot. Damn, I even had, like, a Columbine joke that I could have said, a really dark one, but I was like, no, never mind. Okay, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I've actually listened enough to his stuff to have formed an opinion. <laughs> Uh, but you know he doesn't cause school shooting, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, we're good. Good pivot. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I have a cousin who is, like, obsessed with Marilyn Manson. She's, like, a 45-year-old woman, and she, like, will see him every single time he comes to town. She's, like, in love with him. And I'm just like, Ow. It is such a foreign concept to me. I'm like, fucking Marilyn Manson? Like, maybe when he was 22, I'm like, all right, cool. But now he's, like, 50. Fucking. Doesn't he do a lot of shit with Kanye right now? I'm sorry, Yee? Yeah, he is on Yee's record. Uh, It's actually a a really... It's a very, like, guitar-centric piece of production. It feels like uh, it's got to be what his influence is. Um, But he also is, like, going Christian now and, like, doing Kanye's, like... Sunday service Christian shit uh, with like Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber and Marilyn Manson were both at his last like Christian service that he live streamed. Such a weird blend, right? I feel like so uh, as a Kanye defender, right? A lot of people hate him because he is a Trump supporter and not to like alienate. I wasn't sure if he he actually was one or if he was just doing it for attention well i think that he's attracted to men of power who or people of power who don't take shit from anybody and that's you know the definition of donald trump right uh so i think i think that he is so ignorant to uh global politics that he's just like no this is my kind of guy like we could like get drinks and and bro down together right like i'm the same right Mm -hmm. and i feel like um, because Kanye is like this marred person right now and people like a lot of people are like, you're fucking bad. Right. I feel like he's, his move is to take like all these sort of marred people like under his wing and be like, I can rehabilitate Marilyn Manson. I can rehabilitate Justin Bieber. I can rehabilitate the baby. Right. Like it's the good Christian in me that can like take these people and like, like myself who have been pushed down a peg or two and like help them through the bad times. So do you like new Kanye music, old Kanye? I only started listening to Kanye at 808s and heartbreaks. So I am a phase two Kanye listener. A hundred percent. Uh, I I think that, uh, that's when he got great (laughs) (laughs) and most people disagree with me, but being from Chicago, we, we definitely got his work earlier on. For sure. I mean, yeah. that shit was iconic. I just am like, the truth is, like, I'm not a huge hip-hop fan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But I love production. Uh, and his production got so fucking interesting once he his mom died and he lost his mind. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the, the the more rap, the more pop-centric shit is like... It's all right. It's just, it's just not for me. Um, yeah. Like, I keep thinking he tops himself. Like, I think Donda's his best record. I have to definitely listen to that more. I obviously listened to the first song, and I was like, 
I'm not awake enough yet. Yeah, because he's this. screaming his mom's name for like seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, like I, it was just that morning my friend Tyler was like, it's out. And I was like, all right. And I turned on the first song and I was like, nope, not awake yet. I definitely not ready for it today. I had a very great listening experience to that. I had gone to a rave and I was still high and it came out at like five in the morning and I was still awake and I was like, well, I'm going to put in my Bluetooth earbuds and listen to this 90 minute record and stay up till seven in the morning. (laughs) Uh, So it was a pretty special experience, but you know, I'm a fanboy, so why not? (laughs) I definitely have to give it like a full listen and be awake probably for it. So I'll let you know how I feel about it afterwards. I don't like to like blast Kanye. I think he's a very misunderstood artist. Cool. Um, That's all I want from people. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I'm not dying to go see him and I'm not like, he is the coolest musician ever. Like, that's not me. I think that's a perfectly fine, like I'll defend, I'll defend him mostly against the haters. Cause I'm like the, 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 his mental health is so bad. Like give him space and give him like, birth right but you don't have to fucking like it (laughs) uh you just have to not be like nah he's a fucking fool because it's like he's not a fool he's going he's been going through public shit for 10 years that has manifested into some music that you might not think is as cool and so i'll i'll take that all day um i just i think that when we talk about like on one hand people are like yes yes mental health is important right and then they're like i just want old kanye where he wrote pop songs it's like dude he's not well (laughs) I mean, he has done so much in the public eye, as you said, in the last 10 years that it's almost hard to, like, not, I don't know, talk shit about him because, like, if you don't understand mental illness or, like, where he's coming from or anything, you just don't get it, you know? For sure. Well, the public eye is, like, destructive to so many people, right? Like, um, another Chicago rapper, how do you feel about Chance the Rapper. Interesting. Um, n- another, like, mixed vibes. I mean, I feel like he has a more approachable vibe. I-, I-, I think I would definitely listen to him more than Kanye. For sure. I think that he's uh, his voice is very open and it's inviting. Uh, I-, 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 I can see a lot of people going that way. But I feel like his last record... I don't even know if people know it came out. It's just, like, so fucking whack. And it's, like, the pressure of being a superstar. And, like, he just, like, was like, all right, I found God. And then it's, like, he made a bad record. And it's it's such a it's such a uh, volatile place to be, like, on top of the world. And then people be like, okay, now what? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I can't handle that pressure. So what is the last concert you've been to? Uh, I just went and saw Fish. Okay. Uh, and before that, uh, I went to Crossed Music Festival in San Diego. Uh, and how are the mask mandates over by you? San Diego is a weird fucking town. They don't give a shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, in Chicago, basically... You have to buy a beer. Basically, if you have a beer in your hand, that gives you license to not have your mask on because it's like, oh, I got to drink it. So at that cross music festival, which is admittedly an outdoor music festival, they didn't even have a vaccine or negative test or mask mandate. They had nothing. 
Damn. Nothing. Now, there are some places that have a mask mandate, and there are some places that have a vaccine mandate. Um, I haven't been to an indoor venue. I've only been to outdoor venues. Um, but I live in California, so. I will say we're in 30-degree 30, 30 weather now, so there are no more outdoor shows. I'm going to my first indoor show on the 18th. Ooh. I'm going to go see well, I guess you'll find out. 100 Gex. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So what we'll genre would you say that is? Uh, <laughs> um, Andrew W.K. meets Skrillex. Okay. <laughs> I'll accept that definition. <laughs> so they're undefinable. That's why I like it. Is that like there's no one else who makes... I mean, there are other people who make music like that now. But like hyperpop, I guess? I don't, I don't fucking know. I was going to say there are a lot of like songs and everything on your playlist that you sent me where I was like... I can't decide, like, what genre this is. like Animal Collective. Huge fan, by the way. But I've never really been able to peg what they are. Psych rock? <laughs> A little I, bit. I, but I think that, like, um, that is what's most exciting for me in music, is, like, the, the, non, the, non, the non-peg. Like, even in the dance music I listen to, uh, I want it to be different, right? I want it to sound like nothing else. And a lot of the dance music sounds exactly the same. Like, I'm not a person who doesn't think that house sounds predominantly the same thing. But there are artists who are doing different things. And that's what's so appealing to me about Animal Collective is that, like, they had a massive hit. They could have become, kept becoming a bigger band. And they batted up against it. And they were just like, no, nah, we want to make some noise um, where... I don't know. Fuck a genre, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm on their Wikipedia right now just because I wanted to see what they define themselves as or what Wikipedia designated them as. And, yeah, experimental pop, psychedelia, electronic, freak folk, and indie rock. Yeah, they're all of that simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, Which is cool. Like, at, at one show, like, you just get it all thrown at you. Well, and then, like, they... At seeing them live too it's like they um it's an experience they experiment they jam out they make noise like there are very cacophonic moments uh i like to call animal collective a jam band uh, which is probably not popular amongst most most of their fans but <laughs> i think it's just because jam band has like a really weird negative connotation for sure and i think the contrarian in me is like <laughs> yes it has a negative connotation. Eat it up, yes. jam band. Not jam band haters. <laughs> Which is funny because if you say jam band to a lot of people, people are like what? What does that mean? So, that's yeah, cool. yeah, for sure. And uh, I fortunately, unfortunately, dived deep into the jam band world, and I found there's good there and there's bad there. There's a lot of bad there. I was gonna say you're a deadhead, so. Yeah, but I like the deadhead more. I like the dead more as like an album listening band. Like I like less like jam out on 20 minutes. I mean, I like that too, but like I happen to just like their three first records and I'm like, okay, these are, these are pleasant songs. I could get into some of their songs, but no, not deadhead. Just, you know, I've kind of done taste testing of their music, I guess. It did happen to me seeing them live because my dad is a big deadhead and I was like, okay, let's go. And I was just sort of like, I'll go on your journey, you know? And, uh, it was great. And I was like, oh, okay, I get this. And then I kept going. But I, I I really think it's like, 
there's so much material to listen to that you'll never like phase out of it as mm. opposed to like, okay, I cannot listen to that record again. <laughs> uh, cause I've heard it a hundred times and it's always the same mood. It's like, it's always something different. It's, um, I think it'll keep me until I'm older because they have thousands of hours of listening stuff. Um, which Definitely. it's going to be a weird thing. I feel like our generation, even though we're different ages are, uh, are going to be very confused listeners when we're like 50, 55. <laughs> Definitely. Very, very true. God, I actually am so curious. What do you think is going to be like on the oldies channel on the radio? I we're older. It already is like, Nirvana. I heard, like, Beastie Boys yeah. the other day. And I was like, what the fuck? When did that get on that channel? I, I, I mean, wait till it, it, like, hits, like, the Killers and Arcade Fire. And, yeah, like, I'm waiting to, like, switch and be like, Mr. Brightside. We're like, what? I mean, we're five years away from Mr. Brightside being an oldie. It's already, like, the millennial, like, shout-out song, so... We're almost there. It's a karaoke hit at this point, so. It's, yeah. That was another band that I, like, completely missed. I feel like uh, I was just, like, somewhere else in space when they came out, and then all of a sudden they were headlining music festivals, and I was like, what the fuck did that happen? I swear to God, the only reason, like, and this is, like, the most fucked up thing, that I actually became aware of the Killers was because I was in Catholic school at the time, no, I do not believe in God for anyone who actually has to ask that. <laughs> but um, the killers, um, we couldn't have their music in our lockers or anything. Like, we couldn't listen to their music at school because somebody told me that song. Oh, my God. I know. So immediately, obviously, everyone was like, we're going to go listen to that song now. Is that song like a... Uh, 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 queer positive or is it queer negative i always felt that it was queer positive but you know I, I could definitely be getting it wrong but they've always been pretty queer positive throughout their career so it would be weird if they had like their first hit be queer negative it, i guess I, it really is subjective i feel like you could read it as queer negative but i do think it's queer positive which i think is a wild thing to exist in 2021 2022 just like even though it's not a now song, but I'm surprised I haven't seen a backlash against that song. <laughs> I think a lot of people forgot that song. That's true. Cause Mr. Brightside came in and replaced it as like their hit. And also like when you were young and all these things I've done, those are the only ones I really know. I'm not like a, the killers fan, but yeah, I feel like when I, I became a raver probably in 2011. Uh, so I've been at it for about 10 years and I feel like there was a lot of music that just like bubbled up to me because people were like using the acapellas for over a rave song. And Mr. Brightside was one where I was like, I didn't like that song. And then I heard some DJ play it really well. And I was like, oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> um, that happened with like a lot of shit where I was like, oh, cool. You turned me on to, um, I can't think of anything right now. Adele, uh, because you play Adele well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that song is massive. You I need to do some rave shit. What? You, you, I need to go check out some raves. For sure. I mean, raves, raves rule. Um, I think that uh, 
especially kind of concert I haven't been to yet. So especially if you go in with like an open mind and you're like, okay, this is dumb. <laughs> oh, I always go into every show with an open mind. I, I think that there's a a, a a specific stupidity to the rave that it's, you have to like turn off like the the filter and just be like, okay, this is other people's fun. That's how I went to my first one. It was like my friend was like, come, and I was like, okay, and I was like, this is other people's fun, but I like other people's fun. Uh, so I'll go experiment and see. And, uh, you know, I never look back. <laughs> it's a weird thing that I feel like I'd approach it with a kind of goofiness in my mind. I don't know. Yeah. If that's like the right aesthetic to be thinking of. But, you know, a lot of my siblings, again, ravers. But, yeah, I don't know how I've missed out on that in life. I think, I'll have to do it. I think you might be in one of the last rock cities, too. Yeah. Ah, I've never heard about Chicago's rave scene, you know? I mean, except in 1990. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we had it in the 90s. You invented it. (laughs) But, no, we we definitely are, like, uh, rock and, like, hip-hop city. Yeah, I moved out to California, and they were, like, I, like, didn't even really know raving was a thing. I mean, you know, I did in the back of my mind. I made fun of kids who, like, dead mouse. Uh, (laughs) And then I moved to California, and it was, like... 100% 100% of everything. And I was like, okay, I guess if I want to stay young, this is where I'll pay attention. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about Good at Drugs? Yeah. Um, so, I, I wanted to write a book about the rave because I don't think there has been one, uh, especially not. Like, there's that, like, terrible Zac Efron movie where he's a DJ, which I actually haven't seen. I'm just assuming it's terrible. Um, uh, but I don't think that we need to see art from the perspective of the, um, the person succeeding. I, I like much more someone walking around a city and drinking coffee kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I wrote that book at a music festival of someone walking around a city drinking coffee kind of vibes. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to fill that hole, uh, because I'm at these things and I'm seeing hundreds of thousands of people or at least tens of thousands of people. And it feels like, um, it's a part of the world, not represented, um, in literature. Uh, so I had a lot of fun writing it. It's supposed to come out in back patio now. (laughs) Uh, It says sold out. Yeah. They're, they're, they're shipping soon. Uh, you know, back patio is a two man operation. So, uh, things get out when they get out. Uh, I think that, uh, a lot of people bought it, which is nice, but I think that uh, it's harder to ship when you have a quantity rather than a handful. Um, which As a publisher, I t- it's all about who's distributing. So, Wait, what do you... How, like the printers and everything and what you use it as a distributor. For sure. Yeah, like if you print through, if you distribute through KDP, it's easy, right? Like I know that's yeah. not what you, what you... Is that what you do? No. We do Ingram. Cool. Yeah. I don't even know what they use as a distributor. I know they don't use Ingram. I know they don't use KDP. Um, but at some point, it's just like, I do hope it eventually gets on KDP, Amazon, because it's just like, that's so easy. And you can like remove the middleman where it's like, you have to, do you ship every book you, you, people we buy? Do. Yeah. Right. So um, you, you except get. Except for when we do our limited hardcover things and we just have that go directly out to people. From Ingram. Yeah. But for Amazon, I will have to say, it fucks over the authors so much. You get such less royalties. 
Yeah, I, I think that uh, before my life as a fiction writer, I was a screenwriter who uh, never sold anything ever. Uh, I just don't care about the money. <laughs> I, I guess it's like I have like a weird vendetta against Amazon. I'm not. I'm not the only one. You obviously. should. You should as a publisher, right? Like I think that that's what people are interested in and who they want to send their stuff to as someone who's not like gonna, who wants to, to do the best by them. Mm-hmm. But it's also just like, I want people, it is the easiest. I want you people to right. read this. I want people to read this thing. Uh, more so. And I love the cover and everything. It stands out. Hell yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think people, once they get it, will start liking it and maybe they'll be like, I'm interested in house music now. <laughs> Maybe I can make some more literature ravers and less literature Limp, limp Biscuit fans. Oh, I'm just like staring at the cover right now and like I'm just like fixated on it. You should make a poster of that. I, I would hang it up. Hell yeah. Uh, that Maybe that's next. I mean, the the guy who drew that is like a screen printer, so he would definitely be really into that concept. Do it. I definitely will. let me know whenever it happens. Do you listen to vinyl as I'm looking at the cover? And uh, hopefully everyone else knows now there's a vinyl on the cover. I, I, uh, I have a ton of vinyl, but I have uh, a broken record player. Mm, literally a broken record. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, very sad that I don't listen to vinyl, but vinyl fucking rules. Maybe if enough people listen to this, they're going to send you a shit ton of record players Please, yes and then i have a, a surplus of record players and i can listen to uh my very very strange collection of vinyl but it's like with physical media that's who the fuck buys a cd it is like a weird thing i uh have a tape out from hello america which is rad as fuck it, it's rad as fuck and i love them and everything but i still have that question like who has a cassette player well, they sell like, them at... I had to go buy one. They sell them at Urban Outfitters. Yeah, I saw them at Urban Outfitters, and I was like, when did this shit come back? But I guess it's just fun. I like it. I think that's, like, um, I don't know if this bubbled its way up to you, but Kanye released his new record as a, as a, a, like a little portable stem player. We, I was just reading about that. And it's like, it's like 200 bucks, you know, it's way too much money, but it's like, he's not going to send any, he's not going to sell any CDs, any vinyl. So it's sort of this like brilliant way to engage with people on physical media, just like your tape and just like vinyl. And that like, people want a thing. People want to uh, hold it on their shelf or hold it in their hands. Uh, Spotify is unsatisfying to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love, I love, I love Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, I like how we both were like, Spotify, shout out, we like Jinx, you. Jinx, yeah. But no, I'm looking at the stem player right now. It looks, I don't know, I want it. My friend bought it and it shipped. I didn't think it would ever ship. Yeah. I thought it would just be like sitting in people's cart till forever and then be like, it's not real. <laughs> I don't know why. It looks like it would feel really good to hold. It looks like really tactile. It feels like like a cool like stress reliever. Yeah, so... Hopefully that picks up. I like it. Yeah. Maybe more people. I actually see people are comparing it to flashlights. That's odd. Um, I mean, it might be the same material, but I bet. Maybe. I also bet, just like politics, Kanye doesn't know what a flashlight is. Probably. And someone's like, he's like, I just want it to like feel good in the hand. And someone is like, yeah, yeah, I got you, man. 
and that's that's why I could love Kanye. He's just a little clueless, but also fun. We don't have enough rock stars that are clueless. I mean, rock stars being the general term. Yeah, definitely. So, would you like to read yeah. a little bit? Uh, yeah, I'll read um, a little bit at the beginning. Uh, I'm a, I haven't read in forever, so excuse this. Um, cool. So this is the beginning of Good at Drugs, out on Back Patio. It says sold out. It won't always be sold out. Um, if you like this podcast, just follow me on Twitter and uh, buy it later. It has very little to do with the music. 72 plus hours of house music as advertised, but it has almost nothing to do with that. We arrive early on Friday, park our car, and carry our gear to a primo camping spot overlooking the desert valley we've driven hours to lose ourselves at. All sorts of lessons learned and remembered after years of festivaling, but you damn well better, yes sir, whatever you say sir, show up as early as humanly possible on Friday for it to count for all it's worth. Ugh, Saturday people with their Johnny-come-lately smirks and total disregard for group dynamics and traffic flow patterns. It's equally not ideal to be a Thursdayer, so caked in dirt by Sunday that it seems like a 26.2 when you only ever hit the treadmill for four. Friday set you accustomed to the lay of the land, like the minuscule pirate map they put on social media 48 hours before liftoff as any kind, kind of accurate representation to the real real estate feet will travel over the course of the weekend, resulting in a palpable, lived-in knowledge of where all of the best places to pee are, inevitably, are when inevitably tripping balls. This is important. One fell swoop and I flipped my camping chair out to full shape, resting its four cloven hooves in the dirt next to the cooler full of various alcoholic beverages. A sticker on the top panel reads, If it's too loud, you're too old. The ice-cold metal of one of the more refreshing options hits my lips, sucking back bubbles like a perpetual oyster machine. Micah places his chair next to mine underneath the shade cloth we, we fashioned out of years of accumulated tapestries for fear of the big hot ball of gas that threatens to harsh or mellow if allowed too much direct interaction with our traditionally indoor skin. He pops in headphones and throws an eye mask over the portion of his face said mask was designed for, kicking back while I turn to page 172 of a book that I brought to look smart but didn't really intend to read. The space fills in around us, but that's okay, because in the insulation power move of the century, these are Friday people. The heads are out in full force, and we'll all know where to piss and shit soon enough. That's a guarantee. A few scattered trees and patches of grass provide some natural shade and carpeting. This is sacred land. Native American reservation, yes, but not that kind of sacred. The kind where you don't talk about the job you've got to return to or the lack of one. Ex-girlfriends and boyfriends and family issues off the table. Overdue bills and unemployment nicks into oblivion. Really, any and all hostile conversation that could be ordered to go from the seemingly innocuous but notorious poisonous but notoriously poisonous platitude, how have you been, is reserved for about 15 miles out of town, left at the last Minimart gas station before pavement turns to ice with the $15 you definitely spent on ice. Yeah, that's, that's the first two pages. Uh, reading more, I might break my throat. Uh, uh, thanks. No, you did really good. It, it would definitely break your throat. You didn't really take any breaths. so. No, I'm a, a panicked reader. It's just like, well, 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 done. I feel like that's how I am a little bit, but like I, I sweat more, or I feel like I'm sweating. I don't know. I'm a nervous reader, so no one can really tell. But no, you did really good. I like it. Yeah. And I think people are going to love this book. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I hope they do. And I hope that, uh, uh, if, come ask me for house music recommendations in the DMs. I'll, I'll, send you, I'll send you a set to listen to while you read. Fuck yeah. Anything you want to plug? Uh, we yeah, I have uh, 
two chapbooks, uh, one uh, with Barracuda Gorisco on a feral dove called Scandi, uh, which is about the, the Scanners movie franchise. Um, and I have a, one about Tubi called, uh, God, I don't remember the name. It's my Tubi poem chapbook. It's out on uh, uh, The Daily Drunk. They both just came out in October. I, I guess I have a very busy October. Um, the the Daily Drunk one's free to read online, and Scandi is uh, for purchase, but it's like a beautiful uh, physical uh, thing. I can't believe it. I can't wait to get my hands on one. Um, and I guess just follow me on Twitter, uh, at www.kurtcom. I don't participate in the bullshit, and I just uh, put a lot of dumb puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, do you have a website? I don't. Uh, I have a neutral spaces, which, like, doesn't count. Um, but, well, at least it like shows your work. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have I have all my stuff on a neutral spaces, which is K K U U R T T. Um, but you know, uh, I feel like I love Twitter. Uh, you're engaging. We're all engaging with each other. It's like I don't feel like uh, we know each other well, but we know each other on surface level, and that's that's nice. It, it creates a um, uh, weird little hateful community. <laughs> Yep, that is the perfect way to end this podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Mallory. All right, gang, that was Kurt. I'm not going to drag out his name this time, uh, because seriously, we can decide if it was Kurt or Kurt. I don't know. Fuck it. Say it however you want. Check out his book, Good at Drugs, from Back Patio Press, and his Twitter at www.kurtcom. It's a good one. Very clever. Love it. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. We are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, leave us a review, a rating, what have you. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm.